You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. In this edition of Cornfield Theology, we'll be talking about modern-day heretics, what's going on at Asbury Theological Seminary, and celebrating the Lord's Table. You're listening to Cornfield Theology. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here, pastor of Redemption Hill Church, located in the Des Moines metro. Sitting across the table from me is the man, the myth, and the legend, Logan Kane. Logan, Stephen Kane. Ooh, hey. the full name. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's been a minute. Yeah? I thought you were going to do the intro like, we're here to talk to you about the greatest supper we've ever had. <laughs> yeah, you should. I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to do in- intros from now on. Oh, yeah. I can I can do cheesy dad jokes. Oh, yeah. We, dad jokes are easy to come by. Mm-hmm. My kids are even doing it these days. Yeah. And although, like, you're a dad and can mm-hmm. do dad jokes, I'm, I could be, like, doing dad jokes in training. Yeah, dad jokes in training. You're not quite yeah. there, yeah. Hey, man. It's never too early to start. I... For the longest time, I thought even as a dad, I thought it was so cheesy. Yeah. But like as I age, I'm like looking for a dad joke underneath every corner and rock, and I'm like around every corner and underneath every rock. I'm like, wow, that that sounds like it'll go well. Mm-hmm. So, well, man, there's a lot. It's been a while since we have done a podcast, and we've talked about getting back on track for the last you know six months. Right. We'll figure that out. A smaller break than the last time. Yeah, it's true. Um, and a lot's happened since then, huh? Yeah, a I ton. So. And I feel like every time turning you know, of the new year, I think. Yeah, it was it was it was in December where we did a few podcasts, and then the calendar flipped, and there's always something going on in the world. And I'm always thinking to myself, "Hey, we should do a podcast on that." And it's like, mm-hmm. "Oh wait, I've got time." Yeah. <laughs> so if, to to all the folks out there, like Joe Thorne and the Doctrine and Devo guys, they do it on a consistent basis. Or uh, oh shoot, what's the guy? He does. Uh he does it like daily in the morning at like 6 a.m. Oh, uh, uh, Muller? Muller, yeah. Oh, Muller. I think it's like 4.30 or something yeah. crazy like oh that. My he's a seasoned vet. so, And he's 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 like working in an operation and entire yeah. machinery. So mm-hmm. he just kind of shows up and then he talks. I mean, I actually, as a plug, I listen to that on the regular. Now, he can be a little repetitive. Right. Um, but I the find morning him briefing. helpful. The morning briefing, yeah. yeah but I find him helpful. I listen to that often in the morning. And another one for a plug. I listen to the morning wire. Okay. In the morning, um, Daily Wire puts it out. Just fifteen minutes of news, and just like three headings, and then and then and then they do an afternoon update that's three or four minutes. So, in terms of like the content, you know, just give me the give me the give me the give me the snapshots. Now I have to get on with my day. You know. There you go. And I got time for like a thirty-minute, you know, news hour, or whatever else have you. And I got time. So, I teased out the intro here. Yep. I, a podcast that I've wanted to do, we just haven't gotten to it, but I want to mention it. What if I told you there is a pastor who questions the virgin birth of Jesus Christ? I mean, I believe it. Who also does not take the Old Testament seriously, that we shouldn't be sure looking to the Old Testament. Right, I'm starting to pin down the person. Yeah. What would you call that kind of person? Heretic. Yeah, why? Well, because he's starting to deny some very core Christian beliefs. And I would would also add consciously deny. Sure. And I think that's my problem. And and how how big do you think his church is? Just his church, and I'm not talking about his following, which is going to be much bigger, like, you know, when you go... I'll go 
because I, I think I know who you're talking about. I don't know for sure, but I'll go like 3,000. 25,000 people plus. They like attend the church? Well, it's a multi-site campus. Deal. Oh, I got you. But 25,000. One church with like a few different streamers. Got it. Yeah, right. <laughs> what do you do with that? I'm asking I'm asking the question because I'm trying to figure out my own head and heart. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be like the angry Christian with a rock in your shoe calling everything, you know, heresy. Uh, there's times where I've spoken and I've misspoken. Sure. Um, and those are mistakes, right? And that's different from, you know, not only consciously denying something or calling into question something, but causing others to stumble as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? What do we do with that? I mean, so I want people to know that we don't say it lightly. Right. Um, and to be charitable, I want to, cause I would think, you know, with any, anything like this, we want to be as charitable as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he actually outright denies the virgin birth. I think he just, plays down its importance correct um, he basically said we're talking about andy stanley by the way if you didn't, yeah if you, didn't, if you didn't pick up the vibe right and, and if you're not on christian twitter you might not see this or whatever but his dad is legendary in one sense you know mm-hmm. um charles stanley he had a huge following but he he preaches in such a way and teaches in such a way where he is actively causing people to doubt the fundamentals of the christian faith mm-hmm. and i find that deeply deeply problematic yeah i mean i think we gotta do exactly what paul does is point out the error like we see that in scriptures like so one when it comes to heresies we can't we i don't think it's proper to back down you Mm -hmm. see examples of the apostles and jesus pointing out incorrect teachings all the time oh totally and so we have to be willing to do Uh, so paul called that peter right you know what i'm saying right but peter corrected absolutely you know what i'm saying and that's and listen, I don't know the guy. He didn't know me. He'll never, we'll never cross paths, whatever. And I'm, I'm certainly not trying to be a jerk. That's not the aim. But as a pastor of sheep, I'm trying to protect my sheep from false doctrine, mm-hmm. from error. Now, whether we come out all the way and say he's a heretic or not, maybe he'll nuance things in such a way where it's like, oh, okay, I would never say it that way. Whatever. I don't know. What I do know is that some things have been highly questionable, and that's, taking a, a charitable approach. Right. Like it, it, I was just thinking about that whole, like causing people to doubt the virgin birth. And I think the essence of what he was saying is like, Jesus rose from the dead. So why, why should I be concerned if he was born of a virgin? Right. Right. Luke got the resurrection. Now on the one hand, you say, you can say he's highlighting the resurrection. Sure. But what would be, what is, what is crazy to me is that if, if you, um, took the time machine, you got into the, uh, DeLorean, right. And he went back in time not forward but back in time sure and you're hanging out with i don't know irenaeus let's just take the cappadocian fathers right gregory of nyssa gregory of nazianzus and uh basil 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 Caesarea. they would be like dude you are a heretic they mm. were we're very quick to be like that is wrong and if you're going to consciously teach that then we we need to mark and disregard you mm. Th- they would do that without hesitation now here's my question what has changed in 21st century America? Why don't we do that? Um, and well, I'm not looking to do that. I'm not looking to like create a blog that's like calling out heretics left and right. Sure. But I think there's a sense of like we're unwilling to say the hard thing. Yeah. I mean, I think like with, because that's really like the burgeoning church. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's in that era where not everything is hammered out 
in all the different That's creeds true. and co- confessions. Yeah, you're certainly right. Um, and so part of this is going to be like they're hearing heresy and now they have to react strongly mm-hmm. to start solidifying doctrines. Doctrines that have already been believed but haven't been solidified because there isn't a challenge. Because if you notice your church history, yeah. um, Christian belief and Christian creeds and confessions, a lot of them are reactionary to yeah. something going on. Yeah, totally. It's like, hey, this is something we've always believed. And then you have Arius coming around and be like, ah, Jesus wasn't God. And they're like, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, hold on. He's not eternal. It's like, wait a second. And then, to be clear, I don't hear any Stanley saying any of that. But what right. I am saying, like, if we're going to take a charitable view, which I think is not a bad approach, we, we can call out the air. Yeah. And then because he is such a public figure, mm-hmm. you know, and he's made that decision, mm-hmm. uh, it is good for us to be like, listen, folks, listen, right. Redemption Hill Church, be careful of this guy's teaching. And maybe you don't run into it, great. But if you do, and here's the deal, back in the day, well, I don't know, 15 years ago now, I was reading books by Andy Stanley. Sure. He actually wrote a pretty decent book, very simple, about communication, hmm. you know. And before I ever went to seminary, I, mean, I kind of... Based off of the size of his church, he's a great communicator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? I'm not going to take away that, um, but I but I can say, listen, we got issues here with some of your theology. I think oftentimes the reason that we are slow to point out error or heresy and correct it is it can be seen as unloving. Yeah, because I feel like in a lot of Christians' minds, we sacrifice truth on the altar of love. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I had it's br- actually not loving. Yeah, I had <laughs> a brother. I, I was talking about this privately with another brother. At church, and he he made that exact point. He's like, Sean, listen, it is unloving for you to not point this out, right? If you really think that that's a big issue. Now, again, it depends on how how much you expose yourself to his teaching in particular, but uh, he's got a point, mm-hmm. right? If if my task is to protect and guard the flock, it's you know you want to do this charitably. You don't want to be angry, but you need to you need to say something from time to right. time. Right, because it'd be unloving to not tell a brother, "Hey, don't take this poison." Yeah, because I mean that's because that's what we're getting at is like this is a poisonous belief in Christendom. Yeah, and if you don't say, "Hey, this is wrong," you need to stay away from it. You're being unloving. Same thing with uh, let's take the spotlight off Andy Stanley, the prosperity gospel, and oh, prosperity yeah. preach. Talk about a movement that has not only captured. American Christianity, but Christianity throughout the world. Like when I've traveled mm-hmm. to countries in Africa, for example, or countries in South America, uh, you, you just be blown away by how by how much of the prosperity gospel we export and they take in, right. they import. And it's not surprising when a lot of these places are live in, like they're poor, yeah, and they live in squalor, yeah. The prosperity gospels gospel says you know god wants you to be happy and wealthy yeah all that stuff happy healthy wealthy yeah yeah so i mean so that's i mean it's not just one person but there's an entire movement and we need to call out Mm -hmm. and there's a distinction here between say like other religions sure like islam for example totally different other religion than identifying a wolf that has got into the sheep pen Mm -hmm. prosperity preachers are wolves that have got into the sheep pen. Right. And we need and, to mark and disregard. And to, in biblical support of that, Paul actually specifically says, judge those within the church. Oh, absolutely. Judge those within the church. Yeah. Like people go like, oh, judge not. Like we are ignoring the context. Like there's other, like judge. Yeah. Because you don't want those wolves in the pen. You right. You got to get them out. You're exactly and you right. you can't get them out unless you judge it. You say, this is heresy. This is teaching that needs to be expelled. It needs to be expelled. And you know, 
if uh, one's listening and they're like, well, what gives you the right to be the judge and jury of all this? And I, I, here's my response to that because I'm imperfect. I'm an imperfect human being. Um, at our church, we're confessional. Right. And that actually creates guardrails mm-hmm. for me, theologically speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not familiar with a confession of faith or a confessional church, that means basically we have uh, a lot of theology that we hold to. It is wide. It is deep. It is not your 12-point statement of faith that you copied from, you know, First Baptist Church down the road or, or the Evangelical Church down the street. The 22,000 Baptist Faith and Confession, yeah. which is a little bit shorter. And Yeah, exactly. This is a robust theology, but what it does for it's me, look, going through, it was like 90 pages. Uh, Baptist faith. The message. No, no, our oh, confession. I was of say, faith. Yeah. Yeah. It's robust and it's take, it's, it, we build off the, um, the 1689 London Baptist confession of faith. And you can check that out at trinityfellowshipchurches.org and, or .com. Can't remember. But anyways, that confession of faith actually serves our church. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a protection for our church mm-hmm. that what I teach and preach is going to be in line with our confession of faith. Now, not everyone. And if it doesn't, start kicking you out. Yeah, right. Well, it's like, hey, pastor, listen, you preach this, but I read this in confession 10.4 or whatever, you know, what's up with that? How do you, and it could be, I made a mistake. Right. Or it could be a conviction, you know, that I, that changed within me that all of a sudden doesn't align with. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, our confession of faith would say Jesus was born of a virgin. Right. Well, all of a sudden I can't subtly preach against that. You know, one, I, wholly affirmed to the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. But you see what a confession of faith does. Now, mm-hmm. within Christianity today, most uh, evangelical churches don't have that kind of protection. Sure. Which is, now, the fruit of that is the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. You have past, We have pastors who are willing to, to teach churches whatever they believe about XYZ. Mm-hmm. It's important to note as well, it's like this, the confession of faith is not serving as a second scripture to no. us. No. Because um, each point in the confession is directly tied to scripture. Yeah. Like there's footnotes. And so ultimately the judge is not us. The judge is the Bible Mm -hmm. and we can show you, Hey, you're an heir here. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not us judging. It is the scriptures. I'm glad you brought that up because if you were to go to our, well, there's different formats of our confession of faith, but the one you can find at redemptionhilldsm.org and you go to confession of faith um, on the toolbar and you click on it, you'll notice it oodles and oodles of scripture to support whatever theological claims being made within I like our that word. Oodles. Oodles is a good oodles word. Oodles and oodles. I haven't used that word in a while. I'm bringing it back. Oodles. I'm and bringing oodles. oodles back. That's a bad song. I don't even know what that is. I'm culturally inept. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about it earlier. Like you and Kennedy wanted to kick me out of the millennial. Yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't know what lols was. L O L Z. No idea. So I want to get I want to get a conference like just like with like the Council of Nicaea. Mm. I want to gather together a council of millennials so that we can revoke your millennial status. Sweet. That sounds great. I you you don't even need you can gather the council cuz it's just fun to hang out, but I'll I'll just bring the paperwork for you. <laughs> there you go. You don't even need to discuss. I'm out. What category are you in? And I'm not baby boomer. No, there's one in between millennial and baby boomer, and I forget what it is. Yeah, it's like my dad's generation. Yeah, yeah, it's, I'm not sure. All right, so we've tread that path. Asbury Theological Seminary. Yeah, that's an interesting one. So let's recap for those who aren't aware. Apparently a revival has broken out. Uh, they had chapel over a week ago, and uh, from that chapel sprang forth what appears to be 
uh, a revival on campus. And so 24-7, day after day, yeah. they're meeting, they're singing, they're praying. praying. Um, there's there's a lot of different directions we could take this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Certainly, we can say historically speaking, there is, if we look at church history, we see revival. Sure. Right. Yeah, my I had a hippie professor that would not stop talking about the revivals in the seventies. Oh, the, like Jesus movement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have that, and I think I would tie that. I in love that professor, by the way. But yeah, he was kind of a hippie. <laughs> so I would I would take that Logan, and I would tie that into what comes out of that kind of parallels, but then later for sure the Billy Graham movement. Sure, would certainly had that revival sense. I mean, people packing state you know stadiums of. I don't know, 60,000 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. And I can't tell you how many people have like, you know, I got saved or the Lord saved me at a Billy Graham conference or whatever, or whatever it was called. So that's something. We can go to the Great Awakening. Mm-hmm. And so that was the time of Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, And certainly that was a thing. Um, even Edwards writes about it. He's, he's, he's basically saying this is happening and he has concerns about it as well, but he doesn't deny that the Lord is moving and there's a revival taking place in the populace. And then you can go to Pentecost, right? Yeah. I mean, Acts two, man, talk about the revival. <laughs> is it a revival or is it the like, what's cause revival implies that it died and came oh, sure. back. Well, well I mean, from, from their revival. perspective, <laughs> from their perspective, sure. right? I mean, practicing Jews, you know, they've been following their scriptures and mm. all of a sudden the Holy Spirit falls and it's like, boom, people getting saved mm-hmm. and uh, Peter gives an amazing sermon, Pentecost too. So yeah, I think there's a there's a biblical precedent and there's a historical re- precedent for revivalism uh, within Christianity. Mm-hmm. A couple things I want to say. How do you know if something's legit or a counterfeit? Okay. I think that's where, as we think about Asbury Theological Seminary, it's where my mind goes. And I'm not saying that in a skeptical way. I actually would love to, if I had the time, I would drive there. And check it out. And check it out and just sit in the chapel and be like, all right, what's going on? But you got to ask the question, how do we... Skeptical is also not cynical. I want to point that out. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Not cynical, skeptical. I'm not at all cynical in this. Uh, I'm just trying to ask good questions. Mm -hmm. And here's where I think um, we 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 can see maybe if there's revival going on on this template through this paradigm is there a repentance okay in our and is there people walking in faith sure. throughout all this in addition to ensuring there's not emotionalism going on right so like one thing that you might be cautious of is like there's a way to manipulate emotions like you do repeat a chorus or a bridge over and over and over again in order to just stir up emotions. Right. And then it then it comes into question, well, is that the spirit or is this just this emotional thing that's being done with the music? Because music's very powerful. Oh, absolutely. No one can deny that. You read the Psalms. I mean, we can talk about modern music, but go to the Psalms and that's very emotional. Absolutely. So God gave us emotions. We need to, we need to say right. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for, for emotions. Yeah. So then the question comes is like, okay, is this the spirit or is this emotionalism that's being manipulated? Mm-hmm. Um, from what I read, because I mean, I'm going to be skeptical as well, but also still want to be charitable. Yeah. It seems like it's like, it's not, at least from the one article I read, like it's not like super hyper emotional. It's actually pretty calm. That's and what I've heard too. There. And I've even you've seen the videos online. It's like, 
this going to be this is the most boring from our from our perspective in our entertainment church culture sure. nonsense. This is the most boring revival. <laughs> yeah, did you see Fogs? <laughs> Who? Fog Machines? No, no Fog Machines. Light show? No light shows. Hmm. It's hmm. like chapel, the lights are on and people are on their knees repenting praying. and praying. Yeah. So, I mean, to me like I from what I can tell, I think it's a good thing. Even if it's not. So, one person you know, point out that there's not necessarily new believers coming. It's not, not full of repentance and people coming right. to faith. Yeah. It is a large group of people that have faith coming together, worshiping and praying, which yeah. might not be considered as a revival. Well, but I would like a personal revival. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Like, I love the, like, I mean, I don't I mean, certainly with my emotions as well, but affections as Jonathan, I would sure. say, I want my affections to grow for God. Sure. So in that sense, yeah, I would love to see revival. And I think here's here's the other thing I would say regarding something like Asbury Theological Seminary. And, um, you know, it's not the first time we've seen something like this. not the last time. You're always going to have those who go and you're like, I don't think you quite understand mm-hmm. what God is asking of you in this moment. Here's what I mean. There's a, lot, there's a, there's a person I follow on Twitter. And uh, this person had made a lot of comments. He had gone to Asbury, just like I was thinking about doing, or am thinking about doing. And he's openly living in sin. Okay. Openly living in sin. sin. And it was just raving about what's going on at Asbury. And so my question to that person is, are you repenting? Sure. Of the open sin that you're living in. And what is he raving about? Uh, Just the work of the Spirit, from his perspective, that's going on. Um. Yeah, just people praying, just an openness for people to meet Jesus. That kind of, I mean, some of the tropes, <laughs> sure, you know, uh, that get thrown around in the Christian world. And so, like, like hey, you have your opinion, you got a Twitter follower, you know, fine. But I, I asked a question, like, what's the point of revival? Is it to feel good? Right? Right. No, it's not. It's oh. to repent. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> uh, it is to repent and ask God to know to know him more intimately sure and deeper you know there are deep truths of the Christian faith mm-hmm. and I want to understand them the profound ones you know yeah we talked today about in, at church today John 3 being born again that's actually a very profound truth um, it's a very deep truth and Nicodemus got slapped in the face with it with that yeah. teaching you know so uh, to conclude that so, is okay. is a revival at Asbury Theological Seminary what would your opinion be uh, we're willing, we were willing to change our opinion, by the way. Sure, sure, sure. So my idea and definition of revival is one that is not just repentance, but people coming to faith. So I okay. wouldn't necessarily call it a revival, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but I think I I don't see it as a negative thing. I think it's a very good thing. Yeah. Like, how can I look at people praying? Like, as long as proper theology is being taught, and there's not heresy, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, being yeah. taught. But if people are coming and worshiping and praying. I mean, it's, it's, let's turn it around <laughs> you know, on like, us. Yeah. What if, like, you know, we're we at church, and all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, "We don't want to leave. Right. We just want to continue to pray." Sure. Uh, hey, Ryan, could you lead us? Continue to lead us in worship. Abs- absolutely. You know, could you throw Pay out a little extra rant? Yeah, yeah, for yeah, the yeah, time. yeah <laughs> Like, are we going to say no to that? Right. Of course not. And then we're going to tell, "Hey, go tell your friends. You know, maybe maybe God's doing something here, and we want to invite other people in." Hey, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to hate on that provided mm-hmm. provided 
repentance has taken place. People are like, yes, and and repentance is leading toward greater faith in God. Right. The other thing I want to say regarding revival, and this oftentimes get overlooked, and it's frustrating for me. We we tend to look at revival as a as a group of people mm-hmm. who are getting together, doing their thing for Jesus, right? Singing sure. songs, praying. Revival actually begins in the home and in your local church. Let's start there. I'm not going to begrudge what's going on as, but like we said, but Hey, what's going on in your house? What about my house? Are we praying for a revival there? How about my own heart? Sure. Let's start there. Um, I, I tend to think in those terms before mm. I think of like the great awakening and I'm not, and that's a wonderful work of the movement, right? I think we need to take more ownership. Christians need to take more ownership of seeking God personally. Yeah. As opposed to waiting for, for it to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I even, I say that and I'm like, why do I need to go to Asbury to seek the revival? I thought about that after, you know, thinking about going there. I'm like, why do I have to go there? What, what about right here? Right, right now. So I think Christians need to be careful of, of assuming that because I went to a place and all of a sudden, you met Jesus, you know. Yeah, whatever, yeah. you know. So, um, I would encourage people, you know, the third person in the Trinity, and often forgot, forgotten yeah, person right. in the Trinity, yeah. should be praying for more of Him. We see throughout the Book of Acts, maybe for a particular purpose, being full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, hey, but how often do we not ask, you know, Lord, please? By your spirit, you know, give me strength to fight sin. Yeah. You know, by your spirit, please enrich my heart so that I can, you know, grow my affections for you. Yeah. Um, Because with Christendom, it's the spirit that really provides, you know, the power. I just got back from a a funeral um, yesterday. Yeah. um, And they're a charismatic church. There's a, I have a lot of theological disagreements with them. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But they're great people. One thing I could really tell is they re- had a passion, mm. a fervent passion for Jesus. Mm. They loved Jesus so much, mm-hmm. and they pray, you know, for the Spirit to be able to, you know, be obedient. And yeah. I just don't see that as much yeah. in other churches. I yeah. think that's actually something we could learn from yeah. a, a charismatic church. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I the Lord saved me through a Pentecostal charismatic church, and there's certainly a uh, a strong affection mm-hmm. for God. Mm-hmm. And for others, a love for God, a love for others. Right. And this is actually a caution for like more of the, like for us, for our form church. Right. In our circles, we can make things so intellectual. Right. Right. Where it's like, where are my affections at? <laughs> oh, they're located in the closet over there. Like, no, 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 pull those out and let's grow in our knowledge of God. But and also I'm, a, in our affections I'm a guy. I don't have affections. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Tell that to your maker. Right. All right, so topic number one, we've discussed. There's modern-day heresy. Just wanted to tap on that for a moment. I think I'll be posting a blog on that in the near future. Um, I've been thinking about writing something on Asbury Theological Seminary, but more broadly, the revival that needs to take place in our own homes and our own local churches, which I think is the most important place where that should happen. Sure. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.